All right, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this current sermon series that we are in. This series has stretched me as your pastor, as I've read, prayed, and studied, and researched, and wrestled with God's Word. This series has challenged me to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be a better preacher and pastor, and to be a better Christ follower. And I pray that if we, as we have gone through this series, you've been challenged in many of the same ways that I have. So this morning, we are beginning week five of our Believe Sermon series. Over the past few four weeks, we have looked at week one, we looked at God, and we looked at how the God of the Bible is the one true God. Week two, Chief preached and talked about how you can have a relationship with the personal God that that we serve. And then in week three, I continued that salvation sermon um, series, really. And then last week, we looked at the Bible. And if you remember our tagline, we looked at how the Word of God is more than just ink on a page. It is breath on a page. It is living and active. And I pray that this week, as you've opened up God's Word, as you have open up your swords that you have realized that God's word is more than ink on a page. It can't be manipulated. We may try to manipulate it, but God's word is God's word is living and active and it cannot be manipulated. It is the truth. This morning we are going to be looking at our fifth theological truth and we're going to be looking at our identity in Christ. All of us like to be identified, don't we? You know, I'm the world's worst when it comes to names. I am. I've always been bad when it comes to recollecting names. Um, When I was in college and really through my 20s and 30s, I had a nickname by those that um, were kind of in my inner circles that I did life with the most. They nicknamed me Hey Man. And the reason they called me Hey Man is because I would always go up to people and say, Hey Man, how are you doing? And the reason... A lot of the times I would say, hey man, how you doing is because I forgot that person's name. And so they became hey man to me. Now I'm going to tell you this now. If I come up to you on a Sunday or a Wednesday or if I see you in the grocery store and I say, hey man, how are you doing today? That does not mean that I don't know your name. That just simply means that that hey man has been so much part of my vernacular over the years that it's just, man, it just comes out all the time. Now I would appreciate you um, not coming up to me after the service today and just say, hey, do you know my name? Um, don't do that. All right. And I'll tell you, here's the best way that I have come to know people's names, especially our visitors. Whenever I meet somebody on Sunday morning for the first time, I write your name down. And this is a guide that I use for prayer, um, to pray for you and to pray for your family, as well as when I see you that next Sunday, I can say, okay, I, I remember who that is. I pull out my cheat sheet sometimes if it's needed, and I'm able to recall people's names. And, and, and that's just what has worked for me, and that's helped me get a little bit away from the nickname, Hey Man. All right? So... All of us like to um, call people by their names, and we like to be called by 
our names as well. Name is significant. We have our names because our names are, was given to us by our parents. Some of you were given a name because your parents just simply liked that name. You were named maybe after an athlete or an actor or a musician or a teacher, or you were named after a friend of your, your parents. Others of you have been given names because that name was significant within your family life. So you are actually named after a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent. Some of you have been given a name because your name has a great biblical um, significance. You are named after one of the heroes of faith within God's word or... Um, um, you you may not be named after that person, but you have been given a name that has a great biblical connotation and great significance. You know, my name, Chad, doesn't mean anything that I know of. You know, there's no spiritual significance to my name. I've, I asked my mom before, how did I come up with the name Chad? How did you come up with that? And she said that you're named after some actor. Couldn't even tell me who the actor was. She saw the name once and she liked it. So some of you, your name, that's how you got your name as well. The only thing that I can say about my name that you probably can't say about your name is I have a country named after me. So I guess that's kind of significant. You know, you and I live in a world where people are constantly trying to be identified. We are identified according to this world based on where we live where we work, what we do, what we drive, what we wear, what school we attend. You know, we live in a self-absorbed society that has become self-absorbed because we are constantly trying to either keep up or one-up those that live in our everyday circles. Would you agree with that? Some people that we do life with are, are always trying to keep up with us, or we're trying to keep up with them, or they're trying to one-up us, or we try to one-up them. This morning's message is all about us being reminded that our identity is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our identity is not found in this world. If you have your Bibles, I challenge you this morning, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I pray that you brought your Bibles this morning. If you did not, there is a Bible in the pew rack that's in front of you. Turn Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be reading um, verses 11 through 21. So, so pull out, turn on, whatever you do, and let's look at God's word together. We're also going to spend some time this morning looking um, at, at a passage in Daniel as well. So, so be prepared to kind of flip around a little bit this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, says this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Man, I love that. For the love of Christ controls us. Other translations say, for the love of Christ compels us. 
It says, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and have died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, and this is our focal passage, 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning, our message point is this. The moment we profess faith in Christ, we receive a new identity. The moment we profess faith in Christ, we receive a new identity. That is good news this morning. For way too long, most of us have been trying to gain the approval of everyone within the circles that we live in, with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one person's acceptance that we need and that is the Lord Jesus Christ's acceptance and that comes when we turn from our wicked net ways and we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior when that happens we are identified with Christ point number one this morning is this identity found in Christ our identity is found in Christ if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When a person turns from their sins and surrenders their lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ, they become a new creation. No longer are they identified as a person that is part of this world, but they are identified as a person that is part of the family of God, a person that is in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Danny and I got engaged, I put a ring on her finger, and that signified that she was no longer a single person, okay? She was no longer available to other men. She was committed to me, and she was committed to marriage. When we got married, she took that one step further by no longer being identified as Danny Lee Brown. She was identified the moment we got married as Danny Lee Womack. When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you became a new creation in Christ. No longer do you find your identity in this world, but you find your identity in Christ. And that is significant because when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you became a new creation. The old is gone. The way we once lived our life is no more, but we live our life today as being individuals identified in Christ for Christ and for his glory. Scripture says all throughout the New Testament, we read these in Christ 
um, passages of Scripture. I just want to share a couple of those with you this morning. When we are in Christ, we are justified. According to Romans 3.24, that means that, that we have been made just as if we had never sinned. In Romans 8.1, we see that we are no longer condemned if we are in Christ. That means that we are no longer on a collision course with hell when we are in Christ. It says in Romans 6.23 that because we are in Christ, we receive eternal life. Romans 8.39, we cannot be separated from the love of God because we are in Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ according to Romans 12.5. Romans 1.2 says that we are sanctified. Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians 4. Or 1-2 says we are sanctified. 1 Corinthians 4-12 says that we are wise. 1 Corinthians 15-22 says that we are made alive in Christ. And Ephesians 2-10 says that we are Christ's workmanship when we are in Christ. That's just a few of the different things that we are when we are identified as being in Christ. You know, as I shared earlier, names are significant because names identify us as being part of a specific family. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, names were significant. A name was given to a person and that name went with that person and, and, it, and, and it represented um, significance within the community that these men and women dwelt in. You know, throughout the Old and the New Testament, um, on several different occasions, the Lord actually gave a person a new name. And we remember Abraham. Abraham was given the name Abram by his parents, but the Lord God gave him a new name, gave him the name Abraham, which means father of many nations. Sarah was given the name Sarai by her parents. The Lord gave her the name Sarah, which means mother of many nations. Jacob was given a new name, Israel, someone who prevails with the eternal. In the New Testament, Peter, who was born and given the name Simon, the Lord Jesus gave him a new name, Peter, which means rock. John and James were given a new name by the Lord as well. It means sons of thunder. Can you imagine that? Man, wouldn't that be a great name? Man, your nickname is son of thunder. I mean, that's just, I love it. Um, Saul um, would be given a new name by the Lord Jesus, Paul, which means small or humble. Throughout the Bible, the name given to an individual was synonymous with whom a person belonged. An Israelite was given a name that identified them as belonging to the household of God. They were a part of the chosen family of God. I want us to look briefly at a passage of scripture that all of us are familiar with. I want us to look at four Hebrew children that all of us are very familiar with. But I want us to look this morning at the significance behind their names given to them by their parents and the significance of the names that was given to them by the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar. These four men were given names that identified them as being God's men. We know Daniel... Okay, Daniel's name means God is my judge. Michelle, 
um, who would become Meshach, his name means who is as God. Hananiah would become Shadrach, and his name means beloved of the Lord. Azariah would be given the name Abednego, and his name means the Lord is my help. Both Daniel and Michelle have E-L at the end of their names. In their names, this E-L is a significant name because this name identified them as being part of the household of God because L means God in Hebrew. Hananiah and Azariah both have at the end of their names I-A-H. In their names, this name is significant because this name also means God or Jehovah. These four boys knew whom they identified. They were the Lord's. They were God's men. Long before a godless king would give them a new name, their parents gave them names that went with them all of the days of their lives that identified them as being God's men, as being men that were part of the household of God. When the Israelites were brought into Babylon, the king ordered one of his chiefs to identify from the um, very best of the best youth within the royal family of Israel. He wanted the very, very best men to represent his kingdom. And so the king said he wanted youth without blemish. He wanted good-looking men that were skillful, that were smart, that were understanding. And he wanted men that would be a part of his kingdom that would be able to stand competent in his palace. They were to be taught the ways of the Babylonians, which means this, they were to be brainwashed and they were to be indoctrinated in all of the ways of this wicked king and this wicked king's kingdom. After three years, these men were to be given new names that would represent Babylonian names. So Daniel, they gave the name Belshazzar. This name means Bel's prince. Bel was the name of the Babylonian god whom King Nebuchadnezzar worshipped. Hananiah was given the name Shadrach. This name means alone by the sun god. Michelle was given the name Meshach. This name means who is like Venus. Azariah was given the name Abednego, and this name means the servant of Nego, which was another false god that the Babylonian Empire worshipped. Here's what I love about this story. These men were given new names by a godless king, but these men never forgot whose they were. They never forgot their God-given names. They never forgot with whom they found their identify, their identity. You know, we know this story. I love this story. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in all of God's Word is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know the story because there was this um, idol that King Nebuchadnezzar constructed. And the king issued a decree that when the trumpet sounded, every single person would was to bow down and worship this idol that was constructed by this godless king. 
trumpet sounds, everybody bows down with the exception of three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar gets word that these three men did not bow down. So what does he do? He summons them, and he immediately begins to interrogate them, to chastise them, to ask them, why in the world did you not bow down to this idol that I constructed? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tells the king this in Daniel chapter 3. If you want to turn over to Daniel chapter 3 with me, you can. We're going to read several passages of scripture from this chapter. But Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 says this. The, the men in response to the king. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Man, these three men are the only men in all of the um, all of the kingdom that particular day that did not bow down to this idol that was constructed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? He becomes furious. I mean, he is beyond angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he immediately tells the people, heat up the fiery furnace seven times hotter than normal. You know, I don't know a lot about fiery furnaces, but if a fiery furnace is in place and the intention of that fiery furnace is to burn alive anyone that falls into it, then what in the world will heating it up seven times hotter than normal accomplish? You know, in this particular case, I think it accomplished quite a bit because we're, we're, we're told that the king orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be bound. And they are to be brought up to the top of the furnace. And they are to be cast into the fiery furnace. But the men that were bringing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to the top of that fiery furnace, Scripture says that they were killed instantly because the fiery furnace was so incredibly hot. Here's what I like to think. I like to think that they were vaporized in a moment. You know, that's just kind of my twisted mind and how I think. Um, but regardless, that fiery furnace was so hot that those men that were responsible for throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed instantly. And so what happens next? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, are, they fall into the furnace. Don't know how that happened. I don't know if these men, right before they were vaporized, actually pushed them into the furnace, or if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just jumped into the furnace on their own. We don't know that for sure. Um, but here's what happens next. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fiery furnace. And what does Scripture tell us? That King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't see three men in that fiery furnace, but how many does he see? He sees four men. And King Nebuchadnezzar says that the fourth man looks to be like one of the sons of God, of the gods. Small g-o-d-s is what we see here in scripture. So King Nebuchadnezzar looks in, sees four men, and, and, and it just blows my mind whenever I think about this particular scene. The men that threw them into the fiery furnace were vaporized. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is in there, not with someone that looks like the son of the gods, but with the one true God, Yahweh. And scripture says that the only thing that has happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they're no longer bound. 
So the only thing that happened to them with that fire is whatever they were tied to, maybe that fire um, released that bondage. And they were inside that furnace with the Lord, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. We see here in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 3, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not horned, and no smell of fire had come upon them. These men that threw them into that fiery furnace was killed in a moment, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not even a, a hint of smoke on their bodies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no doubt that the God that they served could deliver them from that fiery furnace if he so chose to do so. But they were fine either way. Because like Paul said, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with Christ. So they were good with, if we're thrown in that fiery furnace and we met, meet God the Father today, so be it. If we are thrown in that fiery furnace today and God chooses to deliver us, so be it. He gets the glory. We go on to read in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their house is laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the sovereign are in the province of Babylon. Do you see what happened in this story? These Hebrew children, they were given new names. They were indoctrinated by this evil king. They were instructed to follow after the gods of the Babylonians. But never once did they forget whom they found their identity with. They knew they were Yahweh's. They knew they were God's men. Long before they were given godless names that identified them with a godless king, they were given names that clearly indicated that they were God's men, and that went with them all of the days of their life. Parents, remind your children, remind your grandchildren with whom they belong. Make sure that they know that they are God's. They are God's men. They are God's women. They don't belong to this world. They belong to God's and lead them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ if they don't already have one. If they do have a relationship with Jesus, remind them over and over and over with whom they find their identity. They don't find their identity any longer in the gods of this world, but they find their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. When you and I became Christians, we no longer found our identity in the godless things of this world. You and I have our identity in Christ Christ. My question for you this morning is, do you know with whom you identify your life with? 
Who do you identify with? Do you find your identity in Christ or do you find your identity in this world? Point number one this morning is our identity is found in Christ. Point number two is this. Our identity is, not, is found not in the world. We read in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. You and I do not belong to this world any longer. We do not belong to the gods of this world any longer. We belong to the one true God if we have found our identity in him through faith. You may be asking yourself this morning, how am I identified as being in Christ? Bill, a few minutes ago, read a passage of scripture found in John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See what that passage of scripture is saying here? It's saying if you are in Christ, you are a child of God. You are a child of God if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news this morning. I want you to say with me, I am a child of God. Say it. I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. You are a child of the creator of the universe. You are his if you've surrendered your life over to him. In Romans eight seventeen, it says this in the first part of that passage. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If you are a child of God, if you are in Christ, you have been adopted into his family. Adoption is a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know, as believers in Jesus, you've been adopted into the family of God. You know, I've known many families over the years that have adopted children, both domestically and internationally, into their homes. What these families did is they reached out and they rescued these children from some of the most deplorable conditions on this planet. They rescued them from orphanages that were falling down. I've been in some of those orphanages. And these orphanages have caregivers that don't give a rip about the children. Man, they're there to collect a paycheck. And so these children are left malnourished. They're left without um, really any hope. And so these friends of mine have rescued these children from some of these orphanages. And I've known people that have adopted family, um, children domestically too. And those children were, were, were destined for a life on the streets. They reached out in love and they adopted these children into their families. They gave them new names. They gave them new homes and they gave them new opportunities. And most importantly, you know what they did? They gave them Jesus. And over the years, I have witnessed many of these children turn to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow the Lord in believers' baptism. I often ask myself, would these children have come to faith if they grew up in that Russian orphanage or that Chinese orphanage or if they grew up on some of the roughest streets in America. 
You know, I don't know if they would have or not. But what I do know is that these children were rescued from those places and they were given hope as a result of being adopted into a new family and they were given Jesus Christ. They are followers of Jesus and they no longer find their identity in the world. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you found your identity in Christ? Have you been identified by Christ because you've surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ and professed him to be your Lord and your Savior? The Bible says, you hear me almost every single week quote these scriptures. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person that's in this place this morning sinned in their life. And as a result of that one sin or that billion sin, your sin separated you from God. All of us in this room at one time or another were on a collision course with hell because of the sin that was present in our life. Scripture says in Romans 6.23, the first part of that passage says that the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin is death. Eternal death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the second part of Romans 6.23 is where we find our hope this morning. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. When you and I ask Jesus into our heart to forgive us of our sins, we are given a new life in Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe with our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. This morning, let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And most importantly, Does Jesus identify you as being one of his children? How do I know if Jesus identifies me as being one of his children? You know because you've surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ. You've repented of your sins and you've cried out to Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And you've made a commitment in your life that you're no longer going to live for this world, but you're going to live for Jesus. So my question for you is, does Jesus identify you as one of his? He does if you've surrendered your life over to him. If you have not, then in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation where you're going to have an opportunity to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, let me conclude our time together this morning. Our third point is this. Identity brings new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 again says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ, when we were saved, when we were washed by the blood of Jesus, in that moment when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt within us, we became a new creation. I love what David Garland has to say about this. He He says this, Paul believes that the new thing that Isaiah foretold God would do has come to pass in Christ. He says it is greater than the exodus from Egypt. He says it is greater than the deliverance from Babylon. He says, God has now delivered us from the bondage of sin and led us back from the exile of our estrangement from God to a new reconciled relationship. When you and I came to faith in Christ, we were reconciled with God. 
We were on a collision course with hell. And in the moment that we trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Father. So we literally made an about face. And we went from living from this world to living for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. No longer are you um, to be associated with the way you once lived, the things of this world. But now you and I are to be associated with the things of Christ and the things of the Lord. I want to look this morning at Colossians chapter 3 in, in verses beginning in verse 1. It says this, talking about um, our new life in Christ. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In verse 5, um, Paul challenges the church at, uh, of Colossae. He challenges them to do this. He challenges them to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you and I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, our old way of life was put away. It was put aside. It no longer ruled over us because when we became new believers in Jesus Christ, new creations, we, we no longer are ruled by this world, but we are ruled by Christ. And we see here in this passage of Scripture that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to put on compassionate hearts. We are to be people of compassion as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be people of kindness, of humility, of meekness. We are to be patient. For some of us, even though we're believers in Jesus Christ, we really struggle with some of these things, don't we? We are to be patient, and we are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven. How many of you in this room have a hard time sometimes with forgiveness? I know that I have. I know that there are times in my life where I've harbored um, unforgiveness because of anger and rage that has been in my heart. But here we see here, we're to forgive as the Lord has forgiven. That's a big forgiveness, isn't it? 
Jesus Christ forgave us by going to the cross and dying for us. How hard is it to forgive somebody that's wronged us? If Jesus forgave us and died for us. So we can be people of forgiveness. We can be loving people. We, are, we, are, we see here that we are to let the peace of Christ rule within our hearts. What does that mean? That means that we're not to be anxious. Don't be anxious about the things of this world. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. God's got this. There isn't anything that's going to be too much of a challenge to God that you can't be brought through. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let this word, God's word, dwell in your hearts. Let God's word be the foundation by which you do everything. That's our first core value. As we looked at last week and as we shared a second ago, remember, the word of God is more than just ink on a page. It is breath on a page. It is living and active. Let this word Dwell in your heart so that when you have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? God's word. Let Christ's word dwell in you. And we see here that we are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm not a good singer at all, all right? But God's word tells me that I am to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Some of you in this room know so much more rock, rap, pop, Country, all of these other things, and you do Christian music. Let me challenge you to let God's word dwell in your hearts. Let the the songs that uplift the Lord Jesus Christ dwell in you. And then we see here, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, let's be thankful people. And when we let Christ rule over our lives, when we live our lives being identified in Christ, man, God's going to do some amazing things in and through us. Let me ask you a question once again this morning. With whom do you identify with today? Do you identify your life with the Lord Jesus Christ because you have repented of your sins? You've cried out to the Lord to be your, to, to God to be your Lord and Savior. And you've made an about face where you no longer live for this world, but you live for the Lord. Have you done that in your life? Or are you still identified as being a person of this world? You know, we're going to enter into a time of invitation now. If there's a decision you need to make, then I um, encourage you to come and make that decision. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today... Trust in him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to be standing here at the front. And if you need to come to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you come. If you've been visiting this church and the Lord is calling you to be a member of this church today, then you come this morning. If you're here this morning and you simply need to come and kneel at this altar, then you come. I don't know what you need to do during this time of invitation, but as we sing together, let the Lord Jesus Christ speak to you. And respond appropriately. Let's pray together. Let's stand together and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. Father, thanking you for your word. Thanking you for knowing, Lord Jesus, that when we are in you, we are a new creation. Father, we were born again, not of flesh and blood, but we were born of the Spirit. 
And Lord Jesus, we thank you for that this morning, that we have a new hope, we have a new future, we have a new identity if we are believers in Jesus Christ, and that is found in you. And because we have our identity in you, we have been adopted into your family. And so, Lord Jesus, we find our hope in you this morning if we've trusted in you as our Lord and Savior. Father, there may be some in this place this morning that have yet to trust in you. They have yet to turn from their wicked ways. They have yet to turn from their sinful ways. And if they were to die today, Lord Jesus, they would spend eternity separated from you in hell. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, if there is someone here that has yet to trust in you, may they do that this morning. May today be the day that they make the greatest decision of their lives. Father, may they come. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to join this church or a family here this morning that needs to join this church, Lord, I pray that you will bring them to be a part of this faith family so that they can be a part of what you are doing within this church and within this community through Friendship Baptist Church. And Lord Jesus, I pray now, Father, that you'll move during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.